Hey everybody, welcome back. You are in for a treat this week. I have Nikki Rausch with me today. Nikki is a sales expert. I have known her now for a few years from hearing her on other podcasts, clients that I have worked with, and she's spectacular. I can't wait until you get to hear from her today. But before we get there, I want to do some more real talk this week. We had sort of an eventful weekend this past weekend. My family and I, we went to, um, you know, we're down here in Orlando and we have annual passes. So we went to Epcot to partake in the Food and Wine Festival. It's amazing. The They have a booth there called the Donut Box with a bunch of different types of donuts. And they have a sriracha-covered donut chicken sandwich, which was just absolutely one of the best things I've ever tasted. But on the way home, we decided to stop at our um, mailbox in our neighborhood, and my wife accidentally tripped as she was getting out of the car and fell and broke her hand and, and split her lip. So we're, of course, in Florida. We're in Orlando, and she had to go to the emergency room. And the stories you're hearing about Florida right now with the, the Delta variant and the hospitals being overwhelmed, it is absolutely true. We live in one of the farthest out suburbs from Orlando. We have some smaller hospitals out here. And when she went in to the emergency room, all of the treatment rooms were filled with COVID patients. And half of the rooms on their care floor, and this is a hospital that only has like 20 or 30 rooms, were full of COVID patients. My wife had to sit behind the receptionist desk to stay away from COVID patients while she was there, while she's got a split lip and a, a really sore hand. And then they had to do the stitches in one of the waiting rooms with her sitting in a chair, not even in a proper medical area to do that work. So the stories you're hearing are real. If you have not gotten vaccinated yet, please, 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 please consider getting vaccinated. That is the only way to protect yourself from getting hospitalized. It's really important. Um, and I just hope you'll consider that. But that's enough for today. I wanna get to introducing Nikki now. Nikki is CEO of Sales Maven, which is an organization dedicated to authentic selling. Nikki has this unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling, and that's what's key. She's got 25 years of experience working for prestigious organizations such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewlett Packard, HP, and NASA. She's, she's a top producer everywhere she's gone. And she has this wonderful system called relationship selling, which she's going to walk us through today. So without further ado, here is Nikki. Nikki, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, I met you, well, I haven't met you in person. I've only known you, I first heard your voice because you were on the Biz Women Rock podcast a couple of years ago with Katie Kermitsos while when Katie was one of our clients. And I remember at the time being so impressed by all the stuff you had to say that I immediately emailed you and said, you know, you need a podcast. <laughs> and now you actually have a podcast. But I... I would love it if you could tell us, um, you know, just tell us a little bit more about your background for those of the people that weren't there with me while I was editing that episode. Um, what 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 is your background? Where did you come from? And how did you get to this point? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on a guest, as a guest on your podcast. I'm super honored to be here. And 
my background is um, I come from technology sales. So I built my sales career in that, in that space. And while, while, you know, being a really traveling road warrior, I would say like, you know, it's the, um, I used to take 120 flights a year and, you know, crazy amount of travel and selling like crazy. I started studying neuro-linguistic programming. So I'm master certified practitioner of NLP with over 1200 classroom hours. And when I kind of got to this place in my life where I felt like there should be something a little bit more fulfilling, I left the corporate world and started uh, helping my NLP teacher grow her business. And that was when I first started really hanging out with entrepreneurs. And from hanging out with them, I realized, and I was primarily hanging out at women's networking groups. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of the women there were super passionate about what they were doing and they were really good at whatever their craft or their skill was, but where they were really struggling was to make money. And the reason they couldn't make money is because they didn't understand the sales conversation. And at this point, you know, I'd had almost 20 years of sales experience and it felt very natural to me. So I started kind of just helping some of them on the side and my business was really born out of wanting to see these people succeed and teaching them very simple, like structure step-by-step to the sales conversation. And really, if somebody was like, why aren't you teaching people how to do this? Like, why aren't you like setting up classes? And, you know, why aren't you coaching clients on this? And so Sales Maven was born out of that. And I'm coming up now, I think on... Uh, I'll hit my eight-year mark here pretty soon in business and just having the time of my life teaching people how to have more strategic sales conversations while still being your authentic self and while being really comfortable in the conversation and still being okay to ask for the sale. Awesome. Awesome. And NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, I think the last time I heard about that, I know it can be used for good, uh, but the last time I heard about it was on the... uh, the Netflix documentary about the Nexium cult. <laughs> so, so this is this is a use for good. The, the yes. way you've learned it. It's like um, the yin and yang, right? Like yeah, you can exactly. use it for good or bad, and exactly, just it. don't go starting a cult. Please, please <laughs> don't use it cult. for bad. You could start a sales cult, maybe. I don't know. Um, so, I know a lot of you that are out there listening with me are your consultants coaches i i, I ha, you you guys talk to me a lot about this and that's why i wanted to have nikki on because i've heard her talk about sales and the type of sales strategies that she uses in particular one you talk about um relationship selling mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit more about your strategies and sales and and what is relationship selling and how does it differ from traditional sales methods i I, but those of you, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I was a salesperson at Circuit City for like 10 years in the 90s and into the early 2000s before they went out of business. So I was trained in like traditional sales floor type sales and, yeah. and building rapport and planting seeds and all those mm-hmm. things. But I want to hear from you, Nikki, since you're an expert, um, what is relationship selling and how does it differ from traditional sales? Well, when I think about relationship selling, I think sales is not something that you do to somebody. It's something you do with somebody. So that's first and foremost. 
when you, when you show up in a sales conversation and you think your job is to convince somebody of something, you're, you're already on the back foot. Like, because frankly, as a society, none of us want to be convinced of anything. Like we don't want you to try to change our point of view and, you know, tell us we're wrong and shame us into buying something. So instead the sales, the relationship side of selling is about understanding what's the problem, what's the need, what's the want, and then moving that person in the direction in a really kind way. So I teach sales as a five-step process. I call it the selling staircase. I wrote a book about it. And, and it's really like, how do you have that conversation and how do you move somebody from whatever step you're on to the next step? And oftentimes that comes through um, by asking questions, by asking really good questions and by asking permission. So again, it's not, you know, barreling over somebody, talking over somebody, trying to convince somebody of something. Instead, it's much more let's let's have a real conversation. Let me ask you some questions. If you're willing to share a little bit about what's going on, I'm going to ask your permission if it's okay to move to whatever next step is. And I'm going to lead that process. Like as the sales professional, I'm going to lead the process, but I'm going to do it in a really kind, easy way so that you as the client feel really comfortable and confident. You know what's going to happen next. So you're not like, oh my gosh, is this person going to just bombard me or what? And you're kind of in it the whole time because you're agreeing to whatever the next step is. And if you are ready to stop that conversation, that's going to be honored as well. Yeah. And I can tell you, I remember that from your interview with Katie. And those of you that have worked with me, you may have actually heard me <laughs> use those techniques on sales calls before yeah. on or on discovery calls of of walking someone through the process and making sure they're uh, on the journey with me. And uh, a quote that my friend Mike Kim likes to use a lot in terms of marketing, because marketing, which you know I'm a part of and it's mostly the business that I'm in, um, he says that marketing isn't about closing a sale, it's about opening a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the idea is that this is a, this is a journey, it's a relationship. Yeah. Um, and, as we talk about your your podcast in a little bit, I, I want to hear about some of the relationships that you have as a salesperson um, and selling your own things. But before we get into that, can you walk us through uh, in a little bit more detail, maybe the, the steps mm-hmm. in an, an effective sales process? Yeah. So for the sales conversation, there, there's this five-step process. And step one is the introduction. Now, People can show up in different on different steps based on how they kind of come into a conversation with you. But the introduction, the idea behind it is to make sure you're establishing a powerful first impression because people are making judgments about you, whether you think people do or not, they do. <laughs> They're making judgments. So are you showing up in a really credible way? Now, sometimes that first impression can happen on social media. It's definitely going to happen through your podcast if you're podcasting. It can also happen um, by your website content or if somebody signs up for something and gets on an email list from you, that email. So are you establishing a powerful first impression? Um, That's really important. So that's step one. Step two is creating curiosity. Step two, by the way, is the most missed step in the process. If you don't know how to create curiosity about your business, about what you offer, about what you do, oftentimes it will kind of die there. People like you'll never really have a lot of 
real sales conversations if you don't know how to create curiosity. And the idea behind creating curiosity is it makes people want to ask you questions. It makes people lean in. It makes people go, I would like a little bit more. I'm going to listen to another episode or I'm going to you know, sign up for your newsletter or whatever that is. But you've got to be able to create some curiosity. And that's a lot of, uh, you mentioned this earlier from your days at Circuit City, it's learning how to plant seeds. It's learning how to make people go like, hmm, tell me more about that. Like, what does that mean? Um, and I can give you examples and whatever you want to do here, but I'll go through the steps and then we can go back if you want to. So then step three, well, I let me back up for just one second. Oftentimes when you create curiosity, what happens next is people will start to give buying signals. Buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that indicate that somebody's interested in some way. So once you get a buying signal, your job is always to act on it. I also wrote a book about buying signals too, because I love them so much and they're missed often. So we've got, we got to act on the buying signal and invite people to the next step. And the next step, step three in the process of the selling staircase is discovery. Some people call this a consultation, but essentially in the discovery, your job is to ask the right questions that lead people down this path to hiring you and or help them self-identify that you're not the right person for them based on the questions that you ask. So discovery process is really important. And one of the mistakes that often happens here is people will like, I'm going to ask you a question and then you're going to answer and then I'm going to start selling. And it's like, no, <laughs> get through your questions, get the information that you need in order to make a solid recommendation. So don't ask a question, sell, ask a question, sell. That's a huge mistake. So once you've gone through the discovery, now the next logical step is to lay out a proposal. So step four is the proposal. And when I say lay out a proposal, that could just be you and I having a conversation and me saying to you, you know, here's a couple options of ways that we could work together and then laying them out. Or for some people, it might imply like it might actually mean a formal proposal that you're sending like a scope of work or something like that. And once you're in the proposal step, the next step, step five is the close. This is the second most missed step in the selling staircase. This is where it's your job to make sure you're issuing close language. If you're not issuing close language, oftentimes the buyer or the prospect will not make a decision yes or no to hire you. So it's super important that you get that language out of your mouth, that it's very clear to the next, to that person, this is the time for you to make a decision. Now, it doesn't always mean that they're going to make a decision, but it will pose the question to them so that they can either say yes, they can say no, they can ask a question, they can issue an objection, whatever, you know, whatever they're going to do. But if you never get to that place of close and issuing close language, oftentimes you just won't ever earn somebody's business. Yeah. yeah but you got to get through all five steps. And I often say, you cannot skip steps. You don't get to just meet somebody and go right in for close. You don't get to go from introduction <laughs> to close. That's those people that we often go like, salesy, gross. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't want to talk to those people. Right. So ignore Alec Baldwin. <laughs> ABC is not correct. Always be closing. No, wait until no. the end. Yes. But remember, if you don't close, you don't get coffee. Right. That's right. That's okay. right. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. That was good. Um, I love the But I remember they that. like in, in sales training at Circuit City, they always they that brought that up. ABC, ABC always be clean. I was like, what? Yeah. And I'd never seen the movie at that point. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um <laughs> but yeah, closers. you offered to give some examples. I, I am particularly 
um, interested in an example from the curiosity stage because okay. it's, it's not like you don't want to just be vague, right? You don't want to make people like, well, what are you, the hell are you talking about? What are, what are some examples of curiosity creating? So a lot of times it happens in the way that you answer questions or the way you would pose a question to somebody else who then is probably going to ask you that same question back. So that so it is about the way you answer something. So for instance, if I'm meeting you for the first time and we're kind of getting into a conversation and you say, so Nikki, like, what are you working on right now? Like, that's a great opportunity for me to create some curiosity. Now, it's an opportunity for me to say something back to you to give you like enough for you to decide whether or not you want to know more. The mistake here is oftentimes someone will ask you a question and then we'll word vomit all over them yeah, because we're like, I'm just so happy to talk to somebody. So for instance, <laughs> right now, if you said like, what are you working on right now, Nikki? I might say, oh, well, my next big thing is I'm, I'm launching my next masterclass. That's enough of uh, an answer for you to go, oh, well, what's the masterclass about? Or when are you teaching that? Or like who, who signs up for your classes? Or whatever you might ask. Now you might also go like, yeah, that's nice. So what do you think about the weather we're having? Like you could totally change the subject and indicate yeah. like, I'm not really interested in talking about that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But I have to at least plant the seed because oftentimes the person I'm talking to, and if I plant that seed, they'll go, well, tell me more about the masterclass. And then you've got some permission to share a little bit more about it versus just launching into a big diatribe about it. Yeah. This is one of my weaknesses. And if, if, if there's any of you that are out there right now that are also Enneagram type threes, like if you ask <laughs> me a question about something I'm working on, I just, I want to tell you everything because it's all about, you know, all the effort that I've put into it and yeah. here's all the elements and things like that. It's, you've got to remember that restraint and that's, that help, that's helpful. One of the things I've also heard you talk about that we've talked about here on the podcast before um, is the idea of having a high-end offer as part mm -hmm. of whatever you do. We've, we've talked in the past here on this podcast um, with people like my friend Paul Klein, who I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. He talks about pricing and pricing options and having a high-end anchor offer. Um, and, and I know for a lot of people, a lot of you out there that are listening, that's a resistance. You're, you're always worried that, oh, I can't ask for that much, or that's way too much, or what, mm -hmm. like, uh, I'm not worth that, or I don't have the knowledge, or I don't have a product that's, that's worth that. Nikki, why is it important to have a high-end offer, no matter what? Well, it does anchor, first of all. I know you and I talked about this before we started recording, but the idea that sometimes by having a high-end offer for somebody, it can anchor like, well, that's the higher price. And if it's out of the range of what that person needs or wants, it's easier for them to pick like the next step down. Now, with that said, I will say your job in the sales process is to recommend what the client needs, not what you think they can afford. And I'm mm -hmm. really, really clear about this because you are the expert, you know, and you're, so just saying to somebody like, oh, well, you know, you could buy my little $27 thing or you could, you know, buy this other thing, but you know, whatever you decide, no, you're the expert. It's your job to make the recommendation because you've asked the right questions. You understand what the problem is and what the need is. And by having a high-end offer, frankly, some people are not going to want a $27 offer. They're not going to want to join a membership. They want that 
like, I want all of you, Danny, like I want the best of you. And I don't want to share you with anybody else during that time. So I want to know how can I get it and how can I get it um, where it's fully focused on whatever my problem, whatever my need is. So that's what happens with a high-end offer. They get the very best of what you have to offer. And it's solely focused on that person. Typically, this is a one-on-one type situation for a really high-end offer. Mm -hmm. And they're getting a lot more access to you or they're getting more access to the, you know, whatever it is that you offer, um, you know, your products or your services or whatever that is. And the other, this is like, this is the key is that when people make big investments in themselves, they take action, they implement. I I often say implementers get results. It's like my hashtag, like hashtag implementers get results. The way that people will implement is when they really invest in themselves. Cause you know, I can sell really low price stuff all the time. And oftentimes I can look and go, well, these people bought it, but they didn't actually go through the course or they didn't do the thing. But any of my clients that hire me to do private work, they go and implement because they put a lot of their hard-earned dollars on the line. Because they go and implement, they get amazing results. And then they feel really good about themselves because they made this investment in their own personal or professional growth, development, business, whatever. Yeah. And you know what you're talking about when you're talking about needs and not thinking about what a client could potentially afford. Yeah. You're really talking about value, right? The value yeah. that you're providing them. How much time is it going to save them? How yeah. how much, uh, what problems is it going to solve? And and that's part of the discovery process too, right? Yeah. You're, you're finding out what problems are they really having? What roadblocks do they have? What is, how is it impacting their business, These these problems? And you are establishing in that discovery process what that $10,000 offer is going to do for them or that $5,000 mm-hmm. offer, that $20,000 yeah. offer, or if, yeah. or if it's a $1,000 offer, whatever, establishing that $50,000 offer. offer. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 50, yeah. Um, and I, I know for me, what I've also seen in my business is that by having those higher offers and that anchor offer and that anchor price, it opens the world to a different level of client. Well, oh, there are some people sure. out there that won't even pay attention to you if you don't have a five-figure offer or yeah. a six-figure offer. Like if you're if you're thinking about if you're a, in the in corporate consulting, if you don't have that six-figure offer, you don't have a team to back it up, things like that. You, people won't pay attention to you. Yeah, you you will miss out on those opportunities. Which, mm-hmm. if that's not your ideal client, that's okay. But the other thing about you know, I always say sales isn't about you as the seller. It's about the client. That's the relationship. So I would, you know, relationship first, rapport always. But mm-hmm. taking it back to you as the seller here for just a second, you have a tremendous amount of expertise and you have a tremendous amount of time mm-hmm. and energy and probably money invested in in your knowledge. Yeah. So it could be that, you know, I see behind you, you have drums. So my guess is you you know how to play the drums and you probably have invested quite a bit of time, money, energy in learning how to do that, right? So if you can share with somebody the secret behind 
how to do something around drumming that is going to save them all the years of maybe a mistake you made or some challenge that you had, or gosh, you know, I wish somebody had shared with me X, Y, and Z. I mean, before we started recording, you had shared a couple of resources with me that I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like you probably just saved me time, money, and all kinds of things by sharing those resources. But you had to have gained that knowledge at some point. And you invested in yourself to get there. So therefore, giving it away for free to somebody else or saying like, oh, I can't charge that for it is baloney because they're getting the benefit of all of your trials and tribulations and learning and really it's just your expertise. So I'm a big fan of, I actually have a podcast about, like I have an episode about this. I have a blog post about this of like, you don't, you don't charge for your time. You charge for your expertise and you charge for the results that somebody's going to get out of hiring you. My yeah. clients get big results because I'm teaching them how to sell and teaching them how to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, for somebody to say to me, and I have this clients that say, I can attribute $100,000 last year in revenue to the work that you and I did together. And that person invested $5,000 in working with me. Well... <laughs> I don't feel bad about that. No way. Like I will invest $5,000 tomorrow, today, actually this second for somebody to go, it'll, it'll give you a hundred thousand dollar return. Yes, please. I'll, I'll invest $90,000 to get a hundred thousand dollar return. Yes, please. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it works. I mean, my, most of the content that I create, most of the work that I do is centered on let's help you avoid mistakes and setbacks because yes. so many people, especially in the podcasting space, um, even those of you that are listening right now are likely either have a podcast or want to get started with a podcast. And there's so many sources, there's so many people on YouTube, there's so many things, and there's so much bad advice or incorrect advice or yeah. from the microphone you choose to the hosting platform to the the format of your show. And, and so I appreciate you saying that because that's, a lot of what I talk about is how to avoid those mistakes and setbacks and how to help people. Um, so a lot of us that are that are here with you today are, like I said, consultants, coaches, um, have businesses where they help people and have mm-hmm. businesses where they already have clients. And I know, you know, as many sales calls as I do, as many discovery calls as I do, because I have that mechanism set up on my site and everywhere and in my welcome email sequence and all these types of things where people can ask me questions or they can schedule a call and, and start the conversation. Yeah. What happens after they're a client? Because I have a lot of calls with clients as well where I'm helping them mm-hmm. or strategizing with them. And I may think something's a great idea for them, but they're maybe resistant to change or they're happy where they are. Mm-hmm. How do you increase your influence in client conversations that, you know, all of us are having on a daily, weekly basis sometimes. Yeah. Well, you have to also be able to create curiosity with your existing clients. Okay. So that's super important. So you're still planting seeds. So for instance, if you have a client and you have an idea for them, one of the things I would suggest first and foremost is don't just launch into the idea. Say to the client, you know, I've been thinking about you since we last met and I have an idea for you and I'm wondering if you'd be open to hearing it. If you say that first, 
they're probably going to be like, yeah, oh my gosh, Danny, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pins and needles here. So please tell me. It could be that. Now, I am going to go into a little bit of NLP here just because it'll be, maybe it'll be fun. It'll be fun for me. So hopefully it'll be fun for you and the listener too, is there is something that's known as a polarity response. Okay. So polarity response is, uh, it's context specific. We all have it in some form or fashion in our lives. Some of us, it's like a person can trigger it or an idea can trigger it or, a time of day can trigger. I mean, and some people they've decided it's a personality trait. Okay. So polarity responses, Danny says, yes, I say, no, you, you say black, I say white, like whatever you say, I'm going to take the opposite view of. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a client that has a high polarity response to new ideas, you cannot say to this client, I have an idea for you. And, you know, can we talk about it? And they, they say yes. And then you tell them the idea and you go, and they go, mm, that won't work. Okay. Because that's their natural, they're, they're going to have the opposing view. So instead you might say to a client who demonstrates a high polarity response, you might say to them, you know, I have an idea, but I'm just not sure that it's the right one for you. They're going to be like, tell me, you go, okay, so here it is. I'm not even sure how this would work. And they'll go, here's how it would work for me because they have to take the opposite. So in anything, in sales, in all relationships in your life, mm -hmm. what I teach is learning how to be flexible. My all-time favorite quote is, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. And the idea behind that is be flexible in the way you communicate and show up with a high level of integrity. So it's not about manipulating somebody into doing something they don't want to do. It's helping them be open to an idea so they can decide for themselves this will work or this won't work. But if they have a really high polarity response, you cannot form it in a, in a, you cannot deliver it in a way that's like, here's something you could do, or here's something you should do. Cause they'll go, no, mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. But if you go, I'm not even sure this is something you'd want to know about. Tell me, I'm not even sure this is something you could do. Y yes, I can. <laughs> that's great. That's good to learn little, little things like that because Every you know everybody's different and everybody responds yeah. differently and yeah um, I think that's why I'm fascinated by things like the Enneagram and trying to understand where we're coming from personality wise yes um, so I wanna I wanna hear a little bit about your podcast because I, you know I told the story at the beginning um, if if you all remember me mentioning that you know 20 minutes ago where I first heard of Nikki on another podcast. And even before we started this interview, we talked about how Nikki for a while has been going on lots of other podcasts as a guest, as an expert. And we've mm -hmm. talked about that technique before, I, you know, going on other podcasts and borrowing audiences, telling other people about your products and services. Or um, I, I often tell people, hey, if you go on another podcast, even if you have uh, a download to share, which Nikki does, and she's going to share something with us that will help you all with sales and and learning some of these techniques that she's talked about today. Um, but I talk about, hey, you know, as you go through that interview, if you talk about a topic, share an episode from your podcast to try and get people to directly go back to your podcast immediately and start building that relationship. Um, but when when I first discovered you, you didn't have a podcast yet, and that was one of our first conversations: is why don't you have a podcast? Um, and I know you now have a podcast sales maven. Yeah. Uh, what, what pushed you over the edge to, to get it started and, and tell us a little bit about how it's going and what sort of effects you've seen from it in your business. 
Well, the podcast was launched in March of 2020. So right as everything shut down. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But realistically, it was back in 2018. I realized because I always pay attention, like, where do my clients come from? How did they first hear about me? And I remember doing like running some like report and building some data around it that most of my like my best clients, frankly, were coming from hearing me on other people's podcasts. So I really double down in that moment. I always say like, pour some, pour some gasoline on whatever's working for you. So that's when I hired somebody to start pitching me to podcasts and I started going on podcasts and that's how you and I first got connected. Cause it was probably back in 2019 that I was on yeah. Katie's um, podcast. And what then started happening is people started showing up to have consultation calls with me and they were saying consistently, oh, I binge you on podcasts. And I was like, well, how can you binge me? Like, I don't have a podcast. So they were actually going into their podcast app, typing in my name and then finding me on these different podcasts and listening to episode after episode after episode. And that was really kind of the, that was the last straw. That's the last thing I needed to know because I was like, if somebody is going to search for me specifically on other people's podcasts, they probably want to hear what I have to say. Maybe we'll see. So that's when the Sales Maven podcast was launched. And it's been awesome. And I will say from a business perspective, one of the things I was really clear about was what is the purpose for my podcast? Like what would I, this is very NLP thinking mm-hmm. is what's my outcome? What do I mm-hmm. want the ultimate outcome to be? And I have a membership platform. It's called the Sales Maven Society. And I knew that by launching a podcast, what I wanted it to do more than anything else was to drive members to the Sales Maven Society because this allows for me to reach a much larger group of people and serve a much larger group of people without completely diminishing my energy level. Mm-hmm. And the podcast has been awesome. And I, so again, because I wanted it to drive people to the Sales Maven Society, I was really clear about what kind of episodes I would have. So I do on air coaching calls with Sales Maven Society members. So you have to be a member to even do an on air coaching call with me. And then um, I do sales success stories where I interview members who have implemented techniques and strategies that they have learned and the results that they have gained. And that has just been, those two things have been, and then I also do solo episodes where I teach sales concepts because I love to teach so much. But those those two episodes, sales success stories and on-air coaching calls have been a really easy yes for a listener because now they get an idea of really is it like to work with Nikki? Cause I've got to actually hear her coach somebody. So I know what it's like to coach with her yeah. and I get to hear about how people are implementing and getting results. I want results. I want to go and implement. I need to learn this thing. So, yeah. So I, I hope all of you were listening to that and heard Nikki talk about the live coaching calls. Cause we've talked about that a bunch here. If you're, if you're a coach of any type Anytime on your podcast, you can feature your skills and show what it's like to work with you. That is very powerful. Or for the the consultants out there, if you can bring on guests who are from companies that you would like to work with and feature them and talk about their successes, that's a great way to build that relationship. And so it, yeah. it sounds like it's been pretty successful. It um, has. 
We talk a lot here about building relationships through podcasts. Have you noticed, even even though your your intention has been to drive people to your membership site, have you noticed a difference between the the relationship you have with podcast listeners and your other clients or, or, or customers that are coming from other places. You mentioned like the person that wanted to binge you just from mm-hmm. hearing you on other interviews. I'm going to tell yeah. that story over and over now. That's a great one. I love <laughs> That's I love not even just that. one person. I will say I probably had five people tell me before okay. I was like, okay. I'm that is wild. That's awesome. My own podcast. So, so what has it been like? Have you seen a, a difference between the podcast listener and the non-podcast listener? Oh my gosh. Night and day difference because that the podcast listener I'm building that know, like, and trust, right, with them. Because I think one of the mistakes that people often make is they think that they do this in email. We also do this in podcasts is we think we're talking to everybody. But none of us, I mean, I don't know about you, but very few of us listen to podcasts in a group setting. We listen in our ears with, you know, so it's, so it does create this relationship, this personal connection, because they feel like, and I, I'm a avid podcast listener too. So I feel this way about the people I listen to is they're talking to me. We're having mm-hmm. a conversation. Sometimes I talk back, frankly, as a yeah. listener, like I have a conversation back with them. And, and so when people show up from my, that are podcast listeners, they already have this like sense that they know me. Yeah. Um, when I get on coaching calls with people that, you know, go and sign up and do a strategy session with me and I haven't met them, I get on the call with them and they're like repeating stuff back to me about my life or about, you know, this story that I told or, and how it impacted them. They already feel like, and I've had actually multiple listeners say to me, like, we're, we're best friends. You don't know this yet, Nikki, but we're best friends. And I'm always like, awesome. I love a new best friend, right? Like I'm super excited about it. So it builds this connection. And so, you know, when you're talking to your podcast listeners, talk to a person because it's a person who's listening. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm, I'm happy you've had that wonderful experience so far. Um, it, that that's the the underestimated and it, it's talked about a lot but that that effect of podcasting is is one of the wonderful things that we have in this world right now um and you know it it, it sounds like it's been amazing it sounds like sunshine and roses but i always like to keep it real mm-hmm. um what have you had any growing pains along oh the way gosh, i know yes. like you were set up you were going on other podcasts. You've got a nice microphone there. I know you've got a, a good setup, but were there any growing pains or things that you ran into over the last year and a half as you were getting up and running with this podcast? Yeah. I mean, figuring out how to promote it, right? Frankly, the the promotion piece after the podcast is recorded because you can't just record a podcast and think that people are going to listen. You have to tell them that it's there. So what are the best ways to like plant seeds and get information out there. Um, That's been, you know, one of the big challenges is making sure that I am doing everything I can to highlight an episode. Um, And then listenership, like growing the listenership. I did have a built-in audience, I will say somewhat, not a huge audience, but an, an audience. And with that, 
I saw some pretty great growth earlier on. And now I feel like it's not growing as fast as I want it to do. So what's next? Like I have to figure out how am I going to continue to grow this podcast? Um, I have very loyal listeners and I'm so grateful for them. And, you know, I want to reach a a larger audience. So what, what is that next step and figuring that out? Um, the, all the equipment stuff, I got really lucky because I have two books that are on audio and I had to get an audio engineer to like get my books ready to go up on audible and they have really high standards. So they gave me a list of like, what's the equipment that you need. So when I started the podcast, I already had all the equipment and even the podcast company that I hired to help me kind of launch the podcast. They were like, okay, so you need a really good mic. And I'm like, okay, so this is the mic I have. And they're like, wow. Like, you know, you need a mixer. Okay, this is the mixer I have. Oh, wow. Like they were like, okay, you're already ready to go. So I got lucky in that that regard. That's good. That's good. And and I I like that even in the the year and a half since you started, things have gotten even more more simple where, um, you know, you really can do this with a USB microphone. You can, like you said, you record directly into GarageBand. Yeah. And we were talking about, those types of things. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that the the roadblocks, the hurdles that you've faced, have been ones you've been able to figure out. And and I get I get asked about audience a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to I I always try to tell people to, like you said, you know, think about who you're talking to. Think about. Um, realistically, how many of those people are out there and who you're helping? Because so many people, they, you know, they want, <laughs> they, they want NPR numbers, they want <laughs> serial numbers, they want the daily, you know, New York Times numbers. Yeah. And they don't think about, okay, what audience are you talking to? So it's often helpful to, to realize what exactly what you said, that the engagement amongst the current audience is so much higher um, than other forms of content. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I use this stat a lot that 93% of podcast listeners listen to more than half or all of every episode. So ne- next time you're frustrated with you know, that that line not going up too fast, just remember that, yeah, those hundreds of people, thousands of people, however many are listening, they're listening to a lot. Um, and, and they're, like you said, they're building that no like, and trust relationship with you. Nikki, I've really appreciated this. Um, I think you've shared a lot of amazing techniques and nuggets and, and thought processes with us. Um, what, what do you have for us that can help us move further down this road? And I also want you to tell us, you know, how can people find you if they want to reach out to you for help? Um, how do they listen to the podcast? Like what's, what's the easiest way to get in touch? Okay. Well, for the listener, I do have an ebook and this is my gift to your listener and it's called closing the sale. And it really kind of goes through the last three steps, the discovery, the proposal and the close and give some language suggestions. And so it's all about building your confidence in that close part of the, of the selling process. So you can get that by going to your sales maven com and maven is m-a-v-e-n so your salesmaven.com forward slash growing so that's for your listener to go and get um the ebook then we'll be connected and uh the podcast is sales maven you can find it on 
any of your favorite podcast app listening. I would love to hear from the audience, from the listener, like, what was your takeaway? What, what did you find interesting about this? And if you are looking for a particular sales technique or tip, you know, just reach out to me. You can find me on, I tend to hang out on LinkedIn, on Instagram most. So Nikki Roush or Sales Maven, super easy to find me and ask me and I'll share a podcast episode that I think might be useful if you have a question. Cool. And I will make sure that all of you can find that information in the show notes as well. Nikki, thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. 